when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. guys, it's the Hollywood Life Podcast. I've got a very special guest today, somebody who is really making news, not just in her home state, but nationally. And as you all know, the midterm elections are coming up and these elections could be the very most important in your lifetimes and historically almost since the Civil War. And those are big words, but there's a lot going on that Hollywood Life wants you to know about. And so I want to introduce you to our guest today. And I think she wants you to know why this election is so consequential. So everybody, please welcome Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow. Hey, Mallory. Great. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, thrilled to have you because especially I know it's just such a busy time because it is a couple of months before the election. And, you know, there's a huge range of issues that uh, must be so important to you and to your voters. And you're in Michigan and Hollywood Life. We've got a national audience and, you know, we've got a lot of, of listeners and readers in Michigan. But for those who are out of your state, what area of Michigan are you in, just so they can put it in their minds? Sure. So I live in Royal Oak, Michigan, which is just north of Detroit. Okay. So now why there's been a lot of big news about Michigan because of the fact that abortion, you've got a 1931 abortion law on your books. And when the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, that could have immediately gone into effect. And that that law basically bans all abortions. It's never been updated. And Fortunately, your governor, your attorney general went to court and you they got a stay on that. But there's been this there was a big movement to get a, a ballot initiative. So how, how important are reproductive rights to your voters in this election? It is absolutely fundamental. And to give people who may not be from Michigan kind of the, the picture. So Michigan is the most purple, purple state you can possibly imagine. I think a lot of people look at us nationally and they see people like Gretchen Whitmer and Jocelyn Benson and Dana Nessel and think that is a blue state where we're fighting for for people's rights. Um, We're protecting the Great Lakes. Exactly. It's all Democrats and it's all Democratic women, um, which is pretty amazing as a woman uh, who's down ballot and being able to work with them every day. But Michigan, the the state Senate that I serve in, has been under Republican control since 1984. 
longer than I've been alive. So we have this 1931 abortion ban uh, on our books that was actually written in 1847. So if you can imagine how few rights women have and how little we actually knew about healthcare and medical science at the time, uh, that is a complete ban on abortion with no exceptions for age, rape, or incest. And the way that the law was written, it is punishable by a minimum of four years in prison for anybody providing the abortion. So that is a doctor, a nurse, a healthcare provider, but it can also include self-managed abortion because of how vague the language is. So if you order pills to do a medication abortion, self-manage your abortion, that is also going to send women, girls, moms, grandparents to jail as well. And I've had a lot of people ask, like, why is this law still on your books? And that's the problem with gerrymandering is, you know, for my entire lifetime, uh, we haven't had the opportunity to take the law off the books. And our Republican counterparts just this year introduced legislation not to repeal the 1931 law, but to expand that prison sentence to 10 years, which is just going to drive people out of our state is going to put people in really, really dangerous positions. And it's critical in our state. And I saw such an outpouring of support on the, the Dobbs came down, the Dobbs decision overturning Roe versus Wade, where in Michigan, we have had a ballot petition circulating that would amend our state constitution to guarantee abortion access and reproductive rights. And that effort uh, turned in 750,000 signatures. And to paint that in, in perspective, it requires 450,000 signatures to get something on the ballot. This is more signatures than any issue for any ballot measure in state history. So people are aware of what's going to happen if our barbaric law goes into effect, and they are pissed, and they should be. Absolutely. Now, <clears throat> you're a first-time senator, and uh, you're you know, you're, you're young, you're a young mom, you've got a one and a half year old. And so you're like really an important and a, and a fresh voice. And first of all, for your voters, and the thing is you, you overcame a Republican incumbent as you're out on the campaign trail, because you are also fighting for reelection. Is the, is abortion the biggest issue you're hearing about? Are women just totally freaked out by all that you've just told me that they, they could go to jail? Yeah, they are. And it it is it is so infuriating when we hear pundits and reporters all around the country saying, oh, you know, this isn't that big of an issue. People are concerned about pocketbook issues. Look at Kansas. Look at Alaska. Look at these special elections that are taking place all around the country. And I can tell you, you know, I find myself with redistricting in the very uh, privileged position of having been drawn into a solidly Democratic district. So unlike my first election, uh, I'm not competing in a Republican district so I can help other candidates, which is what I'm doing to help flip the state Senate. So I'm out all over the state. And whether it's Western Michigan, Northern Michigan, um, Macomb County, which people may know because every time national reporters come into Michigan, they always go to a diner in Macomb County, um, which has been going away from Democrats. It's very Trump country right now. But it is especially women who 
are just livid. The, the amount of emails and phone calls that I'm getting from people concerned about ectopic pregnancies, from people concerned about having high-risk pregnancies, from people concerned about what happens if their birth control fails. Um, or I have constituents who have already gone through one round of IVF because they want to start a family and they don't know if that will be legal if, if our laws go into effect. So I think people are really aware of how broad ranging this issue is, you know, it's it's not just what anti-abortion activists paint it as, which is like it's it's basically, excuse my language, like irresponsible harlots are the only people who need abortion services. But it's basic reproductive health care. It's the decision on if and when to get pregnant, and then making sure that you stay pregnant safely because oftentimes something goes wrong a lot more than people realize, and we need to make sure that people have access to safe appropriate healthcare, no matter what. Well, I'm really glad that you brought this up because I, and, and that you are hearing that a lot of women in the state and, and hopefully the, the men and uh, that love them are concerned about this because this is going to affect virtually every woman, every family, because it isn't just abortion, as you say, that you want, you know, you, people get pregnant because they're careless, they don't care, and they're using it as birth control. So um, who cares? It This will affect women who miscarry because a mis miscarriages can look like an abortion. And we're already seeing in other states that women who miscarry can't get proper treatment, uh, safe treatment. Um, after that happens, it can affect high-risk pregnancies where you might need an abortion, and that's the only thing that's going to save your life. And I'm also aware that the candidate, the Republican candidate for attorney general has said that he believes in no ex no abortions ever, not even to save the life of the mother. Um, and if he's elected and, you know, the you're not um, able to pass legislation in Michigan to to maintain the right to an abortion, he says he'll prosecute. So um, I'm I'm glad to hear this is penetrating. Do you think, though, in enough enough of the population that it's penetrating enough to change their votes from, oh, I'm upset about inflation. I'm upset. I, I don't like I'm upset that, you know, the economy just doesn't seem to be going my way right now as much as I'd like. A hundred percent. I do. And I say that because, you know, right now gas is down to 350 in my neighborhood and unemployment is low. That's not to say that people aren't struggling, but I think there's also a recognition. There is no more fundamental decision on whether or not you're going to have a family or if you're going to have another kid and you want to talk about economic issues and pocketbook issues. This is the biggest one that there is, you know, the, the amount of money that it costs to give birth these days. If you don't have health insurance, it, it is, it's just a basic right and a decision that will change the course of your entire life um, from here on out. So, so I do think that this is resonating with people. And I just saw news this morning. Uh, there is a Republican state representative in Northern Michigan who's always had the endorsement of right to life and right to life decided not to endorse him this cycle because he changed his view a little bit. He had a constituent who shared a story of a pregnancy gone wrong. Uh, the fetus just wasn't developing a head at all. And right to life stance is that woman still needs to give birth. Mm -hmm. And he changed his view to say, you know, there are there has to be some bumper guards. I think he called it. There have to be some exceptions. There has to be a limit here. And that is how extreme 
the the major Republican Party is, right to life is. And that's not just the attorney general candidate. That is the, the governor candidate on the Republican side has said that she, she was posed with a question of if a 14-year-old girl was raped by her uncle, if it was an incestual situation, should she have to carry that pregnancy? And she said, absolutely. That's a perfect example of, of somebody who should keep that pregnancy. And then she doubled down and went further and tried to argue that victims of rape find healing in delivering their rapist baby. And it's just, it's so offensive um, and not where a majority of people are on this issue. It's it's so offensive to have the government. I mean, people are upset about the government telling them to wear a mask, but they're not upset. I'm glad to see they're upset about the government telling them that they have to have a baby, even if they're raped. Now, uh, just bringing up uh, Republicans because and, and the fact that you are leading an effort to try and flip the Senate for the first time in decades. How much is the issue of just democracy and actually having safe elections on the ballot? How much is that a factor that you're seeing for voters? Because, again, all of the major candidates for the Republican office, for governor, attorney general, secretary of state, are election deniers. Yeah. I mean, Michigan is, if you want to take a pulse on how the country is doing, just look at Michigan, because we have the most extremist anti-government conspiracy theory driven candidates running at the top of the ticket on on the other side. And I just saw an op-ed in the Detroit News from a conservative um, writer who was trying to argue that Democrats want one party rule. And that's fundamentally untrue. But I firmly believe like this version of the Republican Party, and we heard President Biden say this, you know, this MAGA version of the GOP has to be defeated because they don't care about democracy. They don't care about free and fair elections. The attorney general candidate stole voting tabulators and took them to Royal Oak, where I live, and was taking them apart in videos and running fake elections and trying to mess with the system. Investigated for he's, for that. he's currently being investigated by that. You know, there was another candidate who participated in the January 6th insurrection and was arrested by the FBI. And we've got, it's just unbelievable that, you know, Michigan has traditionally been home to moderate Republicans. I currently represent Mitt Romney's hometown, but this version has gone so far away from that. So, you know, again, I think this is an issue where when you talk to people about democracy is at stake, that's a really high minded idea. But when you talk to people about the fact that it is 2022 and we still have people trying to overturn the election results from 2020 when it wasn't even close in Michigan, you know, it's not debatable. We've had 250 independent audits. We have paper ballots in Michigan. So there's no way to change votes on a computer. We have a hard copy record of every single vote. And I think people get it. And they want to move on. You know, they want to move on and get back to talking about real issues where we can debate, not relitigating conspiracy theories over and over and over again. And so, but do you feel that this is dry, that there's enough of an awareness to about this to drive voters to vote Democrat because that is their only choice if they want to retain a democratic system? I do think there is, um, because if you look at what the Republicans at the top of the ticket are running on, voters are smart enough to realize that if the only thing you're talking about is the 2020 election, what are you even offering me? That's not a real thing. Uh, and, and you know, the sad thing was Michigan played... <laughs> 
a key role in all of the January 6th hearings. And it's one thing to say democracy is at risk. It's another thing to learn that Ron Johnson, a senator from Wisconsin, doesn't even live here, um, texted the vice president to try to turn over an alternate slate of electors for Michigan. Like, if you want to get Michiganders pissed off, tell them that somebody else is trying to give your vote away. And people really get it here. We saw what happened in Detroit, all of the videos of people banging on windows and threatening and trying to intimidate um, largely black election workers, poll workers, and just that visual of of angry white people from out of state who came into Detroit to try to change votes in one of the country's largest majority black cities. I mean, people are aware of it here. And most people just know it's ridiculous and it's time to move on. If you're not offering me anything else, you don't deserve my vote. Good. Well, I'm, I'm again, I'm really glad to hear that. What are what are the issues that they do care about and that they want you working for to make their lives better? I mean, aside from the re- reproductive rights, like what are they what's important to you to give your voters? So right now, I think it, it, it is. Voters. It, yeah, it's it's about it's about basic freedom. And I think that that is something that Democrats haven't talked openly enough about, um, because right now we are seeing attacks on our schools. We are seeing attempts to ban certain parts of history. We are seeing um, gun violence everywhere. You know, we had the Oxford High School shooting here in Michigan last year, which was devastating in and of itself. But just in the past few weeks. Or just just let me interject for our, our yeah. listeners and our, um, that, that that shooting was where I think he, there was a student, maybe he was 15, 16 yes. years old, and his parents bought him the gun, the right. an assault weapon for his birthday. And he took it to school and he shot his classmates. Yeah. I mean, just and a they went on the land, right? Yeah. They, and then they tried to run away. You know, yeah. his son got arrested. So Oakland County is prosecuting that case. That's where I serve. So I talked to the Oakland County prosecutor um, and she charged the parents with manslaughter for not securing that firearm. It's the first case in, in our nation's history where the parents are being charged with that. But we actually don't have any law in Michigan right now that requires safe storage of a firearm if you have a minor at home. So that's legislation that we've been introducing to say, you know, if you're an adult and you have a firearm, it is your responsibility to keep it out of the hands of somebody who shouldn't have it. So that's something. And we see, you know, there have been multiple shootings over the past few weeks all over the state of, you know, kids getting hold of guns and shooting themselves accidentally or shooting their mother. Or there was, you know, somebody who just went on a shooting rampage in Detroit. There was somebody in Walled Lake in in Oakland County, um, a dad who lost it. Um, And there's debates on whether or not he was kind of radicalized by by QAnon and all these online messaging boards, but he killed his wife and shot his kids. And that is something, you know, I, I think the freedom to make decisions about your own body to walk around your communities and go to school without fear of violence. Um, And then, of course, the economy. We want to make sure that Michigan is a place where we have job opportunities, and that starts with a good education. And then we have career opportunities that are going to keep you to stay here. But at its core, voting is emotional. And I think right now, when I talk to voters, they recognize that this is a really chaotic time, and they want to get back to normal. And a lot of that is getting back to We need to protect our basic freedoms. We need quality education. We need to be safe in our communities. And we need to have good career opportunities. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. As a mother, um, and I'm sure you've talked to lots of other mothers, is gun violence at schools having another mass shooting? Like what happened at Oxford? Like, is that a big concern? And is that something that they would vote on because they want they they want stronger gun safety laws. Absolutely. And and Moms Demand Action is very active here in Michigan, which, you know, that was a group started by Shannon Watts, a mother who just posted on Facebook about how frustrating it is that the NRA has had single-handed control over legislation in this country for decades. Um, and one of the most devastating things, you know, I lost uh, a friend in the Virginia Tech shooting. So when the Oxford High School shooting happened, I was immediately angry because I've already gone through that entire process. And to have another community and uh, a good friend of mine who lives in my district as a teacher at Oxford and lost one of her kids mm -hmm. to have to go through that, you know, it's, it's this idea that this is something that can never happen here, but the reality is it can, and it does happen everywhere. When I saw Oxford students organizing fundraisers and events to support kids in Uvalde. I mean, just think about that. These are kids that have already lost their own friends and classmates and gone through something horrific and are having to do it again to support other kids who are going through the same thing that they are. So it is absolutely a driver, not only of moms and parents, but of, of kids, you know, of kids in high school or in college who are turning 18, who have never voted before, but who have also never lived in a time without school shootings, because these are all kids who were born after Columbine. Yeah. And and this is why it's so important that you flip the Senate and how good this is the first time that there's been a non gerrymandered map in a yes. long time in Michigan. You're you're one of the lucky states that managed to get a new independent map. So how good do you feel about your chances to flip the Senate? From what I understand, you need to flip three seats. And what about your house? Because you're not going to get gun legislation passed, gun safety laws, unless you have both houses. Yeah. So to kind of put it into perspective um, for even Michiganders, people who don't really pay attention to how our, our lines work. So 2014, perfect example. Statewide, Democrats got 51% of votes. But in the state Senate, they had 72% of Senate seats, the Republicans did, which just shows you how badly gerrymandered our maps were. We are a fairly evenly split state politically. So this year, thanks to the Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission, which voters created in 2018, uh, we have new maps and they on all independent analysis show an even 1919 split in the state Senate. So out of 38, 19 Democrats, 19 Republicans. Um, but we did some analysis on our end about how Gretchen Whitmer would have performed in these maps if she got, you know, the 2018 numbers. And if she had been running, you know, in 2018 with these maps, she would have won 23 out of 38 of these Senate seats. So we feel really, really good about our chances. I don't think we're going to get quite back to 2018 numbers in terms of performance. Um, we always see that a little bit of drop off, but 
we're working really, really hard. We are fundraising, you know, I am fundraising like crazy, not only in Michigan, but all around the country to flip this chamber and the DLCC, uh, the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee, which is like the DNC for state legislatures. Uh, they rank the Michigan Senate as the number one chamber in the entire country that is likely to flip from Democrat, from Republican to Democratic. The state house is a little bit more of a climb, just given how the maps were drawn. Um, but one thing that I think Democrats need to be more honest about is we always say, this is the most important election of your lifetime. And that's not untrue, but I think we also have to get into the habit of building long-term political power takes time and progress is progress. You know, this is what we saw happen with the fall of, of Roe v. Wade. It didn't happen overnight. It took 50 years of chipping away. And we've got to be comfortable with, I feel good, cautiously optimistic. I'm going to be working every single day for the next 50 something days to flip the Senate. Um, but then keep going, you know, celebrate those wins and keep building. But the thing is, you've got if you have, you know, this many voters upset about reproductive rights and also uh, disenchanted with Republicans that are just spending all their time talking about 2020 election and not what's going to help them today. Can't that make a difference in a 50 50 state? Like, aren't any of those people movable? It absolutely can. Um, but we have to make sure that our candidates have the resources. So uh, to, to put a point on that, in 2020, Democratic donors around the country donated $96 million to Amy McGrath to try to defeat Mitch McConnell. And the thought was, you know, if we take out Mitch McConnell, we're going to fix everything. In the same cycle, so for the entire 2020 cycle, the DLCC that I mentioned, their total budget for every single state legislature for every state around the country was $50 million, split between all of us. So these are races that a lot of Democrats aren't paying attention to, um, and that that costs real money. Postage is expensive. Mail is expensive. These are races where we have candidates going door to door to introduce themselves. And if we don't have the resources to do that, we can't get out there because I'm the anomaly right now. You know, most of your state legislators are not on TV, are not in national news. You wouldn't recognize us on the street. So it's it's that much more work to get out there and introduce people um, because we see ballot drop off. People vote at the top of the ticket. And then if they don't know the names down ballot, they just don't fill it out. Right. Yeah. So what can so what you're saying is that for people who care, who are listening and who really want to help this effort, that they actually have to donate money. And who's the best group? Is it the DLCC? Yeah, the DLCC is fantastic. And I think it, state legislatures are daunting because you're like, where do I even start? Where do I put my money? Um, or I have a pack that I have started. If you really like my story and you're concerned about what we're doing here in Michigan called A More Perfect Michigan, you can find it on my Twitter page at Mallory McMorrow. Otherwise, the DLCC has a really good what they call a roadmap to majority, which lays out exactly the states where we think we have a chance. Because again, it's it's focus our energy where we can make the biggest impact now and then we keep growing into the other states to build back all of the chambers that we've lost over the past 20 years. Right. And people have to, and I, I'm hoping that listeners um, also realize that, you know, people are are so focused on Joe Biden, on the president, what's yes. the president doing, but really so much of what is going on now, the decisions are made in the state legislatures. And we're really seeing that with these new abortion laws. Absolutely. So with election deniers being put up to be yes. governors and to be attorney generals and because and and secretaries of state, because these are the people that are going to affect your daily lives. You 
have to take your eyes off the president and focus it on who the local state legislatures are. And you also had got, I mean, you got national recognition when you fought back against the culture wars, which I, I think that a lot of Democrats have been um, accused of ignoring, like, oh, let's just not listen to their rants about we've got to ban books or ban certain subjects from being taught. We just can't. And also, um, it, they're they're also going after LGBT, Republicans are going after LGBTQ rights. And so didn't this all kind of come to a head that you stood up against in Michigan? Oh, it absolutely did. And my hope is, you know, I, I didn't have some grand scheme about <laughs> changing the Democratic strategy when I gave that speech. I was just legitimately angry, viscerally angry. This was a, a colleague of mine, um, another mother, basically accusing me, a mother of molesting children and using this language of grooming and pedophilia and just kind of lobbing it out there. And and why? Like what brought this on? Like, those are, I mean, people get sued like that's defamation. Say yeah. And, and so it has been building for for years in Michigan. So we had in 2020, um, probably the first trial run of the January 6th insurrection here at our state capitol in Michigan, where under the guise of, of frustrations about COVID restrictions, and I say that in air quotes, um, we saw violent, angry, I don't even want to call them protesters, but extremists come to our Capitol with AR-15s, full tactical gear, um, bang on the door, scream at us. We saw nooses and swastikas and Confederate flags. We saw QAnon symbols and they came into our state Capitol. And people may have seen a photo of four heavily armed gunmen in the Michigan Senate uh, Capitol. And what you don't see Right below them was me and my seatmate, uh, Dana Polhanke, another state senator who actually took that photo from the floor. And they were invited into the state capitol by our Republican Senate Majority Leader, which is the difference between January 6th. They didn't break in with guns. They were invited in to threaten and intimidate us. And there's been this through line of hate and extremism that kind of came to a head when a colleague um, you know, in a fundraising email for herself, took up kind of this this QAnon-y sort of attack and accused me by name of being a groomer and supporting pedophilia and wanting eight-year-olds to believe they were responsible for slavery. And we've just gotten to a place where one of our two major political parties is pulling out language from conspiracy theories and hate groups and using it out in the open. And that is terrifying. So, you know, I struggled with this for a long time. I was raised to say, uh, to learn that you just don't give bullies attention because that's what they want. But I think we have to acknowledge they're not going away. They're only getting louder. It's only getting more visceral and it's only getting more violent. And we have to stand up and frankly, talk to other people in our own communities to say, you might be frustrated right now. That's okay. But we can't do this. That is not okay. You know, going towards extremism and violence is not okay. There's a better way forward. And it, it is a really, really scary time right now. So I was deeply moved to see President Biden finally seem to acknowledge that, that this is not a normal time. We are not operating in normal politics. And there is, you know, domestic extremism that, that we have to defeat first and take our country back. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, it's and it really is frightening extremism because, I mean, to call, you know, just throw out somebody that you're a, a running against or that you are is from a different party than you to label them a groomer with like there's no evidence like absolutely zero and you responded in very you you met it head on I mean didn't you say like I'm a mom I'm married I'm I don't want to put words in your mouth but you know I'm not going to uh you know allow you to trample on other people's rights and and just because I'm supporting, uh, was it because you were supporting LGBTQ people that that she said this? I'm not going to let you trample on other people's rights, and you can't call me names just because I'm not allowing that. Yeah, and I will answer this one, and then I apologize. I have to go um, to my next meeting. Uh, but yeah, so a little bit of background on this. I I looked at what happened in Virginia. And in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin was elected governor really by taking advantage of the very real frustrations of white suburban moms who were angry about school closures, COVID-19, trying to balance, you know, being at home with your kids all the time. But then we saw him steer it into a really ugly direction, into fear mongering around critical race theory, about pitting parents against schools. And we saw it win. So I recognized, you know, the attack on me. Yes, I have stood up with the LGBTQ community and in support of teachers and and honest education. And before I gave my speech, so when I learned about this fundraising email about me, I was actually visiting a high school in my district um, that same day. And usually it's just questions about what's your job like? How did you get into it? But there was a 15-year-old girl who raised her hand. And her first question to me was, I'm queer, why does everybody hate us? Why does the state hate us? And it hit me like a ton of bricks because I recognized that, you know, this attack lobbed against me wasn't really about me, um, but it felt like a warning shot that if you dare to stand up with them, whoever them is this week, that you can't be one of us, you're one of them. So I wanted to respond in a way that took my own identity back. So I said a few times in the speech, you know, I am a straight, white, Christian, married, suburban mom. Who knows that hate only wins when people like me let it happen. Mm -hmm. And I was very intentional in saying that, thinking about what happened in Virginia, again, to talk to not necessarily the LGBTQ community or the Black community or anybody who's been on the receiving ends of these attacks, but to talk to people like me and say, it's on us. And just because you're okay doesn't mean this is okay. And we cannot constantly expect that those who are under attack defend themselves without allies. And it it has resonated in a really, really big way. And I hope it makes an impact in changing how we talk about these issues. Because I also pointed out in the speech that it's just classic scapegoating. The entire strategy of the Republican Party right now is to get you so angry and fearful towards somebody you may not have even met. Like, 
a trans kid who just wants to play soccer is a perfect example that you don't even notice. They're not doing anything to bring down inflation or fix gas prices or, or lower healthcare costs. They're just making you angry. Yeah, it's total scapegoating. Well, listen, I know you've got another meeting, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us here at Hollywood Life and to fill us in on what you're doing in your state and why it's important to reelect you and also to re also to elect basically in this election as many Democrats as possible in order to preserve reproductive rights for the women and families in your state and also to preserve democracy. So thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you so much.